Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Noya Caribbean Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to bringing to life Caribbean history and culture from our Indo-Caribbean experience the lives of our indigenous people, the Arawak, Kalinago, Taino, and more, our African heritage, and of course, our gangster stories of resistance and rebellion in the Caribbean, throwing in the history of our music, food, and cultural practices. The more we know our history, the more we know ourselves. So get to know yourself through Know Your Caribbean, the Know Your Caribbean podcast. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the New Year Caribbean podcast, geared to sharing the lives and stories of our Caribbean people. And one of the things that uh, people love about the platform with New Year Caribbean is our gangster stories. So I thought it would be important for us to kick off the podcast with some gangster stories. So today I'm bringing to you three gangster stories from three different Caribbean nations. But they do have one common thread. And it is that these gangsters are from Ghana. And I think many of us are very interested in understanding our African heritage and the stories of our African ancestors and the roles that they played outside of being, you know, just enslaved people, but the roles and the cultural practices, spiritual practices that they did whilst being in the Caribbean. So with our common thread of our Ghanaian gangster stories, I am accompanied today by Ni, who is from Ghana. So Ni, if you could shout out yourself. Hi. Introduce yourself. I'm Ni, Ni Tete, which is um, my Ghanaian name from the Ghana tribe. I'm a civil engineer. I'm into mental health. I'm starting... Uh, a couple of businesses um, aimed at empowering our black people. Um, historically, 
uh, we know the history and the history has had a, a ripple effect. And I feel like it's time for a change. Absolutely. So you grew up in Ghana, correct? Yes, I did. And you speak the language or several I languages? I speak tree, I speak Ga. Okay, so you are a proper son of the motherland. You damn right. Yes. All right. So mm-hmm. basically, we're going to kick off. Our first story is one of the first stories that I shared on New York Caribbean when I was just starting the journey mm-hmm. of becoming a Caribbean historian. And I think with what many of us do is that sometimes we read these stories and we're horrified and we share some of the most horrific parts because that's the part that is most hurtful and we want to kind of collectively feel this pain together. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the years, I started to understand how to shift how I tell my stories. At first, I was sharing very um, traumatic accounts. So, for example, we're talking about the story of Prince Class from... Antigua Mm -hmm. and basically in 1734 they had this rebellion in Antigua basically what the plot was yo uh, we're gonna blow up all the white people they're having this governor's ball Mm -hmm. and when all of them they're dancing and drinking and getting drunk we're gonna take this barrel of gunpowder that we took and just blow up the whole thing Mm -hmm. right then for those who didn't come to the ball they was like blow out conch shells, like fire one, two guns or cannons and thing as a signal. And anyone else of the other white people who left on the plantation, we'll kill them. Right. Bam. And we're going to take over the island and Tika's going to be ours, right? Mm-hmm. That is the plot. So what I'm going to do is um, before I get into the story, I'm just going to share how I shared the story first. Okay. And basically what happens is the plot does not go into fruition right and it is exposed and prince class is executed in a very horrific way he's been broken at the wheel so those who are not familiar with the concept of being broken at the wheel is this big wheel and you kind of spread eagle on this wheel and they break each of your bones starting from your fingers and going in until they break every single bone in your body and it's supposed to be the most excruciatingly painful experience and in between your bones being broken one by one you're being whipped sometimes you're being stabbed a whole plethora of horrible things mm-hmm. so there is this drawing of prince class being broken at the wheel and also being whipped by another enslaved man right so it's a very horrific image and it's one of the first times i had seen something like that and i shared it on the caribbean and there was a lot of focus on prince class's execution Right. But there was not enough, f- on, on on my end as well, enough focus on the things that was done before the right. horrific execution. So I'm going to read a bit of an excerpt. So for those who are interested in getting into history, you'll find these real stories in some of the most obscure places. So I found this in like the Pennsylvania Gazette, mm-hmm. right, about the story in Antigua. So I'm just going to read some excerpts that really livened up my spirit when I found it again several years later after sharing the first time of Prince Class, okay? So, it goes like this. Now, keep in mind, listeners, the language, okay? So, some of the language is very derogatory. Some of the language is going to get you vexed. (laughs) But, barely, okay? The name of the account is called... A full and particular account of the late horrid Negro plot in Antigua. Okay? So, the slaves had formed and resolved to execute a plot whereby all white inhabitants of the island were to be murdered and a new form of government to be established by the slaves amongst themselves and they were to entirely possess the island. The slaves chiefly concerned in this conspiracy were those born upon the Gold Coast in Africa, which is Ghana whom we style as Coromantes, and those born on the other of American sugar colonies of whom we call Creoles. So that's another term. Creole at the time didn't mean someone who was of mixed race heritage, but you were born on the island, so you'd have a white Creole, black Creole or whatever. Yeah. So, and the head of the former of the court alliance was Taki, a Coromantes Negro man slave belonging to some white man. Right. <laughs> You're saying they had two chiefs. And one of the things that I love so much about this story is that who they call Prince Class, they said he was a king. 
Okay. So what you're saying is that it was commonly thought that he was of royal blood and yet it was fully proved and that he had for many years covertly assumed amongst his countrymen here the title of king and had been addressed by them and treated as such. He appeared to us as artful and ambitious, very proud and a few words, and was brought hither as a slave at about 10 years of age and was executed at the age of 45. At the time of his execution, he endeavored to put on a port and mien. I'm like, what's port and mien, right? So apparently it means the demeanor and look on your face. So he put on the port and mien suitable to be asserted by the dignity of a king. So it's saying like, yo, his stature was mm-hmm. like, you know, he said like he tall, he proud, yeah. man of few words. And he's, yeah. you know, present himself like this king, but he was an enslaved man. Yeah. And this is not, this is very rare. You don't hear these kind of things about how enslaved are being described, mm-hmm. right? Or how we see our ancestors. He had a brethren called Tomboy, right? So Tomboy was also very kindly used by his master, being admitted for his own advantage to take Negro apprentices and make all the profits he could of his own for his labor, right? So basically, they're saying that these two fellas, they were had a little side hustle mm-hmm. where they were getting money. So, yeah. but then they also had his stature and bloody, bloody, blah, right? So they had some other brethren like Hercules, Jack, Darby, Ned, a few other different names. So it's a mixture of enslaved Creoles and enslaved African-born Africans. So they said they had the hands and courage for executing the deepest and most bloody crime, even that unparalleled hellish plot formed by them against his majesty's government of this island and our lives and fortunes. None of them could justly complain of the hardships of slavery, their lives being as easy as those of our white tradesmen and overseers, and their manner of living much more plentiful than that of our common whites, who were looked upon them for their poverty and distress with contempt. So basically saying, yo, uh, they were not even having life that hard. Like, why are they even trying to do this plot? Like, slavery wasn't even that bad. Right. And they were living better than some of the poorer white people in the island. So right. once again, they're kind of absolving themselves from the they, responsibility of their cruelty. Because they, they're like... they justifying it. Exactly. Yeah. So they're saying that they were overseers, house servants, and so on, right? So moving forward, one of the things that they were saying that the chief measure used by the two heads to corrupt our slaves were the entertainments of dancing, gaming and feasting, always colored with some innocent pretense as commemorating some deceased friend by throwing water on his grave or christening a house or the like, according to the Negro customs, where they were debauched with liquor and their minds embittered against their masters against their condition of slavery by the strong incentives thrown out against both and freedom and possession of their master's estates were to be the rewards of their treachery. So they're saying, yeah, like they used to have these parties and things, used to have these gatherings, say, yeah, 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 it's a funeral, it's a funeral, yeah, 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 yeah. But they were actually plotting. So that's what they used to do every, like, whenever they could, they used to gather together, sing and dance and drink rum and thing, and then, but they'd be plotting they a plan, yeah. right? Yeah. What the gangster thing that I loved about Prince Class, right, is that he did this war dance in front of everybody. So one day, he had this costume made, which they described as supposed to be royalty within the Coromanti tradition and customs, right? Right. right. So what they were saying is that he asked like an ex-enslaved to make like the, the big umbrella because mm-hmm. in Ghana the umbrella is like a signifier of prestige yeah. right yeah yeah especially within the Ashanti so you see when generally chiefs of, of villages it's part of sort of like the the regalia especially for special occasions so they'd be carried by you know x amount of people so you see them dancing and whatever they're being carried with and then you have you have an umbrella a massive right on top of that yeah right so he was asking another enslaved man to make his umbrella and the guy was like nah i'm not making it (laughs) (laughs) but he had he did have a shield and he had like this hat with feathers all right so the description is that 
he came in and he did this war dance and he did it in front of the white people too right, right? which i think is gangster because he's like he came there and he had like a shield mm-hmm. and like they're saying it was like a cutlass of some kind and he had a hat with feathers and i think some kind of cape and then like his brethren were around him mm-hmm. but he did this dance and a lot of the enslaved creoles so the ones born in antigua in the caribbean they didn't understand the dance right, right. but some of the other who they call Coromanti, which are the ones who, are, who came from Ghana, understood what was going on. And like, yo, basically he did this war dance in front of like all the white people and the Creoles. So one of the issues about within slave rebellions in the Caribbean is that most of them were done by enslaved African-born right. Africans, right? Mm-hmm. Those born in the Caribbean were, were born into slavery, so they were, didn't know life as an alternative right right yeah so those coming in from africa say yo what the hell is this yo time for war right Mm -hmm. so even the the african born enslaved were distrustful they they were both distrustful of each other so that's one of the kind of uh uh, fractures that we have within our community right right so he did this war dance he's like yo burn all of y'all right i'm declaring this war dance and i'm doing it audaciously in front of y'all right so yeah i love that so what happened the reason why the plot didn't happen is that they postponed the governor's ball right something happened Mm -hmm. and then somebody sold out somebody and then there was this big execution where a lot of them were executed in the worst way possible, right? right? Obviously, to send off a message, yeah, right? Yeah, it's always the case. Yes. So, I mean, what the thing is, is that there are so many nuances within this story because you're talking about the use of an obi-man or wizard, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. They're talking about that they did an oath where they got cock's blood, mm-hmm. rum, dirt from a grave, mm-hmm. some gunpowder, and they mixed it together and they had this kind of oath right Right. of loyalty that no matter what like to the end don't confess don't sell out don't use showing loyalty to the king and to what they want to do yeah so i really 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 love that story because it's like everyone just focuses on the breaking of the wheel right and oh that it didn't happen but you know they tried and they did and they did audacious things and one of the reasons why that the white people started to get a bit suspicious is that they were having all these gatherings so they're saying they're hearing the conch shell blowing at all hours of the night mm-hmm. so obviously that's a call for a meeting right right, right. Yeah. and then there was one enslaved man that went to his master and said yeah man your day going to come just now mm-hmm. so the master's like wait what do you mean I mean my day's gonna come so there was already some bubbling suspicion they're like yo right. these enslaved yo they're hanging around a lot in the middle of the night we hear conch shell blowing they want to throw a chat they, they, they starting to get rude mm-hmm. and then obviously the snitch yeah. came and solidified everything mm-hmm. so I I love that story because I'm not focusing on the end I'm focusing on the acts of bravery mm-hmm. the audacity of how just doing this whole entire war dance in front of these white people like yo the business yeah you know so i really really loved that story so in terms of war dances do these things still happen in ghana as maybe not as in declaring war but in terms of traditional dances yeah i mean there's there's traditional um dances based on occasions and festivals and celebration all, all the different tribes have festivals within their calendar where the chief performs his dance and you have dances associated with different tribes so the evers do their dance the gans do their dance the the the, the akans the shanties they do their their dance for example i think the evers have their agbaja it looks like a sort of chicken dance which is was quite interesting so the more you look into the tribes they all do different dances and i'm sure across uh, the african diaspora you you find that every tribe has their dance a specific dance a with specific different meanings yeah. dance with specific meanings and yes you might have dances associated with war but they probably wouldn't be used because there is no war um, right going on you know and you have things like um African drums, which send messages. So back in the day, mm-hmm. you, obviously there's no telephone. So and if you went to send somebody um, to travel miles to send 
a message. You know, they have like the phantom from drums, which they beat, which sends a message to the village across. Mm-hmm. So once they beat, they know exactly what they're trying to say. Right. Um, from miles across, because sound obviously travels that far. So you have dancers associated with different tribes and mm-hmm. um, for, for different customs and, and, and events. Right. So yeah, it's because the the whole using the drum as a means to communicate is mm-hmm. something that um, you know enslaved Africans did in the Caribbean as well. That's yeah. one of the reasons why the drum was banned, not just because it incited, they said, the spirit of rebellion, but mm-hmm. it was a means of communication. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why the drum was banned. So I'm gonna move on to another interesting story, and this comes from Saint John, mm-hmm. um, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Now. Yeah. Some people may not know that the Virgin Islands, a whole a good section of the Virgin Islands was owned by Denmark. Right. So Denmark wasn't really big in the slave trading game in comparison to the rest of Europe, but they were doing their thing and they were there from quite early. So they were around from 1658, 1659. So that's quite early. So St. John is quite a smaller island. It's 20 square miles. And it for the, the Virgin Islands is not very foresty. It has a certain type of, I guess, flora and fauna, but it's not rainforesty, right? right it's like right. a coral island. So coral islands are, have a different kind of landscape. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Denmark was doing their thing. They roughly transported about one percent, which is still about between fifty thousand and seventy-five thousand enslaved right. people. So because their thing was so small, they just had one main fort um, called Christiansborg. Does that still exist? Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. I can't say I have. They said, well, it's in Ghana. I mean, they used to change. Oh, Christian Borg Castle. Yes. 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 Right. Yes. Okay. So mm-hmm. that, was, that's, that was Denmark's old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because so, I remember in school we had, you know, we went through all the forts and the castles. And right. Whether they were from the British or, okay. or, or the Danes and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was Denmark's old, right? Mm. So basically, what was going on at the time, in around the same time, that Prince Class was doing his thing in Antigua is that there was some war going on in West Africa, in Ghana. So they're saying that the, the Akwamu tribe, mm-hmm. right, was fighting these people, the Akras. They're fighting the Akras? Yes. Mm, I don't know what that means. Right. So Because, I, because Accra is, is the capital. It might be that because the tribes are also associated with the regions exactly right so exactly it, it might be that they were fighting the gars right because the gars are from Accra, right and the shanties or the akans are from like ashanti region mm-hmm. right and then you have the evers from the volta region so the tribes are normally regional right yeah, yeah absolutely understood i mean white people who just used to make up names or just they well, were yeah. very lazy. Yeah, yeah. I they mean, were very lazy. In, to, <laughs> I mean, to date this, they in yes. terms of pronunciation of names. So exactly. Zero effort within the description. Because I was like Accra. I've never heard of Accra tribe. I just know Accra as the capital of Ghana. Yes, yeah. So they were saying that the Aquamus and them were kind of fighting, and like the Accras were the main people who were providing enslaved to the Danes, right? right? Mm-hmm. And basically, the Aquamu come, and they were very heavy-handed, and they decided to control the roadways into the interior where you'd go and get your enslaved cargo to bring across, right? Mm-hmm. So they were fighting, and basically, the same people who were selling to the Danes end up, ended up becoming captives, right? Then, the whole Dahomies and them come through and like overpowered the Aquamus. Mm-hmm. And then around 1725, for a few years, it was the Aquamus who are now becoming the enslaved. Right. Right? Yeah. So a lot of chiefs and kings and nobility were sent to St. John mm-hmm. for this specific period of time around 1725, 1730. Yeah. So anyway, a set of them came in 1733 and during this time St. John was going through some shit right they had enough drought people were starving they had some worms in some of their things and they had a one two hurricanes like things were kind of fucked up in St. John at the time and because you know it's a smaller island they don't have like enough rivers and things so it's it's much more difficult in order to cultivate okay Yeah. so they cannot afford to have a drought so they got there and then a lot of the enslaved started to run away. So the governor starts this 
slave code. He's saying, yo, if y'all try and run, you're going to get like a limb cut off or air cut off. Mm-hmm. Or if you're rude, this is going to happen to you and, and so on, right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at the different factors. Shit's fucked up. They don't have food. They don't have water. Obviously, the, the planters are getting vexed because you're not making money. Right. The enslaved are weak and fed up. Then mm-hmm. you put in this slave code where you say you're going to cut off my limb or flog me and stuff. If for some of the run away. Yes, they started to they started to run away. So what's happening is a bunch of people come from what they call them. They call them Minas. They say they come from Elmina Castle. Yeah, Elmina Castle, yes. Which is Ghana, mm-hmm. right? So they call them Elminas or Minas, right? So here's a bit of an excerpt from the safe, the safe code. So if a slave attempted to run away, the punishment was to have a leg amputated or if forgiven by the master, be given 150 lashes and lose one ear. So yeah, I go cut off your leg, but I'll, I'll give you 150 lashes and cut your ear off. I mm-hmm. forgive you. Always have to leave a mark. Yes, I forgive you though. <laughs> so, or when enslaved and were encountered by a European, they had to step aside and stand still with all subservience. Quote, unquote. Wow. Yes. If not, they were given a proper beating. <laughs> if you could not go out past curfew and was punishable by whipping, dancing, feasts, or funeral rites involving the use of Negro instruments, aka the drum as well as the practice of obia, was prohibited and would be punished once again by whipping. On top of that, there were a lot of very brutal uh, slave owners who were Danish. This is something that people don't know much about Danish history, that some of them were actually quite violent. And, you know, tensions was high. All right? So basically, a set of these Aquamus come down to St. John, they're like, yo, burn all of this. So they <laughs> they sat, they kind of plotted this thing. So a bunch of fellas, I think it's about five of them, carried these bundles of wood and they concealed these weapons in the wood. And they're like, yeah, man, we're bringing this set of wood to the fort, right? The fort have these soldiers sleeping and stuff and they come and like they kill all of them, kill like seven of them. Only one survived because he was drunk underneath a bed. So he was able to see all this shit popping off, right? Right. So... They kill them fellas by the fort and then they fire a cannon, right? Firing a cannon is a cue for, like, the rest of their squad to go and kill their masters, right? Right. So one of the people who do that is a woman called Brefu. So Brefu is an Aquamu woman. And mm-hmm. she and her Aquamu crew just go and kill a whole set of masters, masters and their families and children. Wow. As well. There, there was no... There's well, no breaks. you can't have your blood continuing, you know. Well, so yeah, yeah they, didn't, they didn't play. So yeah, one of them was a woman, uh, Brefu, and they did save a doctor because mm-hmm. they thought the doctor would be of good use and stuff. So what's happening in St. John is, whilst all this is happening, this one guy, Kwasi, Mm-hmm. Right, quiz, uh, yeah, because it's spelled the Q U A S E, laziness again. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. Right, it's yeah. quiz, uh, is Ghanaian. Quiz is Ghanaian, born on Sunday. Right, okay, there we go. So he goes to save his masters. He says, "Run, run, the Negroes are coming." Oh. There's always one, isn't there? Right. Yeah. So a bunch of them get saved and take boats. They go to Saint Thomas and the Aquang take over for nine months right i think it's one of the the longest rebellions in caribbean history mm-hmm. in terms of the fact that these basically these Ghanaians took over saint john mm-hmm. so the danes are like yo yo we need help we can't deal with this it's too much like we're small like we don't have like you know enough resource so right. they call into the french for the french and the english say yo can help us please help us get us back saint john they've killed us and and stuff like that so but one of the issues is, is that the Aquamu wanted to enslave the others. So it wasn't a, oh, this is going to be a whole free black nation. Mm-hmm. The Aquamus, because they were such fervent slave traders mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they were very staunch on building their kingdom mm-hmm. back in Ghana because they were warring with everyone else before, right? Yeah. And being very violent at home. Back home, yeah. A lot of the enslaved there 
didn't like the Aquamos. Right. We're like, we ain't trying to fuck with y'all because we know what y'all were like back <laughs> there. So why are we trying to jam Gangsters. now? Right? Yeah. So their rebellion was not entirely supported by the other enslaved. There's a, a report that one of the Aquamu the warriors had killed a set of enslaved from the Congo region mm-hmm. because he, they, they weren't trying to fuck with each other. So he, right. he killed them. There was a lot of internal fighting. Internal fractures. Right. Yes. So this is one of the things in terms of how tribalism mm-hmm. is a form of our own demise. And yes, how we have I to mean, kind of, you yeah. know, look at the, the greater cause. I guess you can somewhat understand it because if you're willing to take whatever the slave master is saying and I'm like, yo, we're not, we're not having this. Exactly. Right. And I'm from a tribe that is like, we do not submit. Yes. And you don't want to fight. When we win, well, you can't sit at the table exactly you know exactly so these are the things like you know it's very interesting when we think about slavery we just think it's black versus white no it's it's not but it's much more uh, complex than that i think it's very complex i think it's there's a human element of it it's just a human psychology of it so you take the you separate the race and you separate the tribe is it's dominant you're always going to have some sort of hierarchy absolutely Absolutely. And I mean, the thing is, in terms of that, you know, on African soil, Mm -hmm. there was already Mm -hmm. different tribes or kingdoms fighting to have certain controls. And then this was exasperated by the Europeans saying, hey, I'll buy them for you. Yeah, Them people annoying you. You want some guns? Even the Danes, because the Danes were supporting the Accra people. Mm -hmm. And then the Accra people say, yo, come and help us. Yo, like the Kwamus are fucking us up. And like the Danes are like, yeah, um... Nah, we're just gonna like, uh, you know, I don't want to get involved though. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they start buying the same people that they were buying from. Mm-hmm. So some of the same people that who was their like brethren. So mm-hmm. say uni are selling me and say people. And then one day they come and sell you to me. I'm like, hey, what's good? <laughs> get you on. Ready to work? <laughs> so that's right. that's basically how they moved. It was it was it was all about you know profits and power. So yeah, what happened uh, with this rebellion is that they started to get cornered because Saint John is you know only 20 square miles, and they used to be monitoring the ocean to make sure they're not trying to escape by by boat. Some did try and did, some did make it to Saint Thomas, mm-hmm. but. What had happened is a small group was being cornered by the French and they decided to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. So they found uh, the bodies of 11. So nine men, two women had killed themselves. They had shot themselves in the bush. And there was an eight-year-old boy named January who survived. And he was stabbed by one of his own people because they're like, yo, we're going together. Yes. Yes. So he survived, and then he said that they, uh, another group was going to go and commit mass suicide. Mm-hmm. And they carried him in a hammock for him to show them where they were going to be. And then he, they brought him into court, and he was talking about the enslaved man who had killed the other Congolese people, and that, you know, the, the plan to kind of take over and run the island and so on. And, but then they said that in his court records, as one of the last things that he said, so that we believe that he did die from his injuries, the right. eight-year-old boy. Yeah. So, but what happened in the next upcoming days is that they kept finding other enslaved people, and then if they said, "Oh, you, you Amina," uh, boom, straight execution. One right. time, you're hung without a trial. They, they can't afford for you guys to. Yes, like I don't, I, we don't trust y'all. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> Basically, they're freaking out. This this one guy is like, God spare us from this sixth plague. Namely, the pestilence could come from the many murdered people and the Negroes shot down and left lying under the open sky in St. John unburied. He's like, it's very like... Extra. Uh, yes. Because <laughs> 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 no, right. they were afraid. They were yeah. afraid. They felt cornered. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of violence happening at the this time. Is, this is a Kwasia moment. <laughs> Could you explain to listeners what Kwasia means? Kwasia means fool. Okay. Or Kwasia Sim means foolishness. Yes. So it's like that's a very Kwasia moment. It's like yes. in that moment you say Kwasia, uh-huh. Now you see. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're scared. Eh? You're scared. You're scared eh? <laughs> <laughs> but right. they were very scared because there is a record here that 
And this guy was like, yo, this overindulgence of kill devil. So kill devil is what he used to call rum. Right. Very unrefined. So it's like, oh, it's like it's kill devil is very right. horrible to drink. And he said like 187 portions were drunk in a single day by the white soldiers because they were just stressed out as fuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. um, and they like they brought back two kegs, and mm-hmm. they like you hoard it like gold because it's like yo, because things are so peak, like you cannot just be given out rumps. That's like the level of stress, yeah, that they were at. So stress and heat, stress and heat, and being surrounded and by no, and no sun cream, no <laughs> and being in their hot European, yeah, where yeah. exactly yeah. that I just that's another thing. So basically what happened is that they found a group of 24 of the warriors had um, engaged in a mass suicide ritual mm-hmm. that included Brefu and some of the other Akwamu no- nobility. They right. were said to be noblemen and women from mm-hmm. the Akwamu state. And that they, I'm not, one of the things I'm not sure how exactly they had killed themselves. I think it might be a combination of using weapons and poison. The guy who Brefu had killed, his name was Croyer. Croyer and his wife, yeah? Like, basically, Croyer was threatening to, like, amputate people and decapitate, like, his enslaved. He was a very violent man. Mm-hmm. So I feel nothing for him. The governor was like, yo, with surprise that one of the leaders of the rebellion, Brefu, whom none of us knew and whom we assumed to be a man for having murdered my son and his wife, is a woman. And then he's vexed when he finds out that she had killed herself because she got let off so easy. Right. But I mean, one of the things when I'm reading within African culture, they say that when you kill yourself, you're going back to your homeland. Yes. So I think they felt cornered and they're like, yo, you know what? Let's just do this thing together mm-hmm. and let's just go back home. Yeah, I think it's also coupled by the fact that if you're on a different island, and you know the consequences of your actions. Yeah. And I, I would rather die a quick death than let them put me on, say, that wheel. Yes. You know, it's, yes. it's like, what's the point? I might as well just see myself out. Yeah, Especially I mean, if it's the, the underpinning belief is that I will go home anyway. Yeah, because you're going home on your own terms. Yeah. You exactly. know? And I mean, the things the Danes were preparing to do horrific things they are already preparing gallows they said you're buying like yards and yards of rope to like wrap up the rebels and pour tar over them and do a lot of horrific things a lot of the rebels that were captured there's an excerpt that says the danes were like yo we made sure we've made the biggest spectacle when dealing with these rebels because we can't make ourselves look weak in front of the french right so we had to try and exit you know Try not look weak. So some of the other names of the rebels, warriors, freedom fighters, our Prince Akwashi. Am I saying it right? Akwesi. Akwesi. Right. You see, this they just they just butchering how they spell the names. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And King Bolombo and Kanta. So these are some of the names of mm-hmm. the enslaved Akwamu from Ghana. So this is so this is a, a different outcome to our first one mm-hmm. of Prince class but it's a lot of it's, I thought it was very interesting as well because it's like looking at how you know the wars came across for the wars from Africa came across into the Caribbean as yeah. well so that's our second story we're going to take a quick break okay and we're going to conclude with our last gangster story mm-hmm. after the break it's great Welcome to the Relatable Podcast, a safe space for open and honest conversations created for Black people. This podcast explores how we relate to one another in our intimate connections, friendships, family, and everything in between. Hosted by three Caribbean women. I am Fiona, a single mom. I'm Shaween, a very near empty nester. And I'm Chantal, a free-spirited monogamist. New episodes drop every Wednesday from June 9th, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast fix. Relatable, because a shared journey brings hope. So, welcome back 
If you'd like to advertise with Know Your Caribbean, please do email us at knowyourcaribbean at gmail.com. We do have some great sponsorship packages for your Caribbean, black, or person of color business. So do link up. Anyways, welcome back, Ni. Hey. And we are going to conclude with our final gangster story mm-hmm. and our gangster Ghanaian story. Okay. And this is about Taki. Is Taki a Ghanaian name? Techi. 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 Yes. Okay. So, yeah, because anyway, so I want another anglicized butchering yes. of the African name. I mean, they probably said, what's your name? And he's like, Techi. And they, they spelt it. How, As how, just how, yeah. Taki. Yeah, Taki. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, mm. Taki was a bad man who came from Ghana. Mm. Taki's history is that he was a slave trader as well in Ghana. Yes, he said that he had recalled selling his rivals, the Ashanti, mm-hmm. the Nzima. Nzima tribe, yes. Right, and the Ahanta. Mm-hmm. Right, so that was his enemy. So, he used to be selling them. And then there was a war, and then he got captured and then sent to Jamaica. So it's saying that Taki, so he was Fanti. Yes, Fanti. Right. Fanti is actually, in my opinion, I'm sure in many Ghanaians' opinions, the sexiest Ghanaian language. Why? It's just the pronunciation and stuff. They have a lot of Zs. They sound, it, it just sounds poetic. It just, mm. I don't know, it's just so smooth. Ga can be a very boop, boop, boop. It's like, right. deal your thing, you know, and Chi is like, it is saying, but Fanti is like, you know it's it just it's yes yeah, it's it's poetic oh my dad was half fancy right but i i never really learned how to speak fancy because okay. my, my, my my family's my dad's half fancy half car mm-hmm. and my mom was gar so it's right. predominantly okay gar in the household okay okay but, it, but I, mean, I regret that because i i, I could have wooed some people with that i think but anyway, that's a different story. I think I think you're doing just fine. All right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Taki was fancy, and he also spoke very fluent English mm-hmm. because he was trading with the British. So yeah. he learned he learned the language. But there was a war happened, and just like what happened with the Aquamu, he got captured and he got sent to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Now Jamaica is. Well, was like the most important colony for England because it's as big as it's making enough money. And like, yeah, they have like hundreds of plantations. And, you know, if St. John is 20 square miles Mm -hmm. and they had 106 plantations, let's look at Jamaica, which is like way, 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 way bigger. Right. right? You know, they had hundreds of thousands of enslaved on Jamaica. So anyway... Taki's there, he's doing his thing, like he's like a, a foreman, so he has quite high ranking. When you look at a lot of the revolts that happen across the Caribbean, it's normally slave drivers. Within slave rebellions, it's normally slave drivers or foremen because they have the ability to mobilize. They can go from plantation to plantation yeah. and therefore they can plan and plot the thing, yeah. right? And plus, you know, he had a, a, a set of confidence because of his history. He was not just a trader, but he used to engage in certain kind of military fighting and stuff mm-hmm. back home. So he engages, he starts this this rebellion in Jamaica that is one of the biggest rebellions that shape the landscape yeah. of Jamaica mm-hmm. and the Caribbean because it was so expansive. So what had happened is that looking once again at the intricacies as to why some of these rebellions were not successful. I don't think saying not successful is is a strong term. I think in terms of it, it didn't reach its full potential. Right. Is that the infighting between ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if you look at Jamaica's history, they have the Maroons. So the Maroons are obviously self-liberated Africans who live in the bush doing their thing they have their own community their own everything their yeah. own structure but they had signed treaties with the british in 1739 because the british were just on their case they kept fighting so they're like yo hey what we leave you all over there mm-hmm. right and you know if anything pop off if there are any other rebellions anyone running away 
just catch them, bring them for us. We go give you some money mm-hmm. and we'll leave you alone. Yeah. So the Maroons were like, all right, cool. Yeah. That's what happened. So with Taki's revolt, they said he was tall, statuesque, you know, commanding presence, mm-hmm. powerful man. He was able, he was a great orator. He was able to rival up the spirits of people when he spoke to them. And he was also accompanied by a very powerful Obia man. Yeah. So Obia was very important in Taki's revolt. So one mm. of the things that they used to do they, in the records, you're saying that they used to cover themselves in this powder that used to make them impervious to being hurt mm-hmm. by the Europeans or the white man or whatever. They still believe in stuff like that. Right. We still have that in Ghana today, especially up north. Right. Where... And it's you know so you find that a lot of people are skeptical about things like that, but mm. if 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 you leave you you see it for yourself, well. and it's it's not what they show on TV. It's like oh go to the witch doctor. Oh he said this is with everything you have quacks. The real witch doctors you they don't expose themselves like that. Exactly. So, so yeah. I mean the thing is I think most of us are not versed enough in mm-hmm. OBR for us to really have a great. Uh, proper understanding yeah. of what it means we, we were taught to be afraid of it but yeah, that's exactly. another episode that yeah. we will yeah, be covering yeah, what happened is is that the maroons came down like yo taki then and his regions just killed like enough white people i think 60 white people ended up dying and they were freaking out okay the british and them were freaking out like yo we need some help so they called on the maroons the maroons come down they band together with the british and they take taki's obia man Mm-hmm. And they kill the Obian man in front of them mm-hmm. in like the most horrific way. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh shit, like, yo, our powers are gone. Yeah, because like, if, if the Obian man who's meant to protect us yes. is, is gone, then we have no chance. We have nothing. And it, it has a psychological, you know, effect. Exactly. So it defeated the morale of the people. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, a few days later, Taki himself was also killed by a black man, a maroon a sharpshooter called Davy. Mm-hmm. And apparently he killed Taki in the most glorious way because he used one of those muskets, right? Mm-hmm. And they were both running. And the fact that he could shoot Taki, like you know, how you could shoot him whilst running, that's like some proper mastery sharpshooting, right? Mm-hmm. And then he beheaded Taki and presented his head to the British, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just... I mean, the story continues on, which I think is something that we can talk about on another day. Yeah. So... We're going to close off today's session of Gangster Stories. But, you know, there's so much more. There's so much more information and nuances. And I think I will definitely be touching on, you know, especially Taki's Revolt because there's so much more to that. But I thought three stories were very interesting in terms of ritual, obia, Mm -hmm. the empowerment, and also the nuances and the many layers and it wasn't just black versus white when it came to our resistance. Yeah. But I also, I also think the interesting thing is it, it's like you said initially when with the cloud story, when you first looked at it, you focused on how he died. Yes. I think as black people, the, the empowerment comes from knowing that our people in these situations did all they can. So we sort of owe it to them. To be bold and, you know, daring and brave and persevering because nothing we have today can compare to what they had to endure back then. So as rather than use it as a means to say, oh, you know what? These people were brutal. Look what they did. It's white people, this, that and the other. It's for me, I, I would rather focus that energy and because it's it. it, it it shows and proves how great I am, how powerful I am. Absolutely. So, I'm so powerful that for generations, you haven't been able to make me extinct. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's where our power comes from. And once once we start realizing that potential, you know, we're juggernauts, essentially. And that's my take on all those stories. We, we look at what they went through and we almost charge ourselves up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's about finding the empowerment in those stories. I think we focus too much on, oh, it didn't work. It didn't happen. Somebody sold out somebody. But I think I love looking at the details. Mm -hmm. You know, what did that person see? What did they wear? What did they, music did they play? What did they, you know, those little things, you know, really, really empowering. Taking the shit 
Exactly. You're not, you're not doing that. Exactly. You're, and we're not having that. And you can tell how scared they were. Exactly. That's you what know? I was about Until to say. Today, the, the psychology is different because if somebody makes you believe you have no power for a long period of time, generationally, you become um, dormant. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and then you start believing that yourself. Yes. But it's like they can't have you rise or start rising or start knowing your your true potential. You know, otherwise, I don't know if you've you've seen this Netflix program called Umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. where one of them they all have superpowers, and but one of them has always been made to believe she she didn't have any power. Yes. And yes. It, she ends up being the strongest of them all. Out of the, all of out them. Out of all. Yeah. Of them. She and mash up all of them. She mash up all of them. Once she realized the power. Exactly, and that's what I believe us black people are. You know what? That is a great closer. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great closer for us to look into and realizing our power. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, they had to resort to extreme violence, you know. And psychology. And still, we are still here. Yeah. And we are still so magical. Amen. So, thank you so much, Need. Do you have any uh, closing words? for? How about if you say something in tree? In tree? Yes. I'm actually not tree. I'm actually gone. Okay, I, I knew that. And I, yeah, <laughs> and I was I would say nye, nye That means thank you. Oh, um, that's still beautiful. Yeah, thank you for listening and thank you for having me. Hopefully, we can have more conversations. Absolutely. So yeah, I think this is about stepping into our own power um, and recognizing our own power. Yeah. Definitely, and looking at the power of our ancestors that we were not just uh, submissive, passive. No. And that we were actually. We're we're becoming that, you know. And there's a risk of us losing our identity. We won't do that. That's why we're here. Of course. I mean, we're 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 here for that reason. But you know, you might be black, but not black. Well, you yeah. know what? That's why No Caribbean <laughs> Podcast is getting to know yourself through yep. knowing your Caribbean. So yep. thank you so much. All I right. will see you for our next episode. We'll be learning more about ourselves, our history and our culture. And thank you so much. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com